What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Unplugged. I'm your host, Jacob Puckett. And this month, I have a special guest. I know I say that every month, and you're probably thinking, well, Jacob, you say that all the time, you get a special guest. But we really do have a special guest this time, uh, CEO Doug Johnson. Doug has years of experience in this industry, and he is really going to talk to us about an exciting initiative that not only Blue Ridge Energy has taken on, but the entire state of North Carolina's electric cooperatives, something that's going to benefit members, benefit our environment, benefit our areas. So sit tight, relax, or maybe you're enjoying your drive, turn it up and let's get ready for this next episode. Well, if you can believe it, here we are. We're at the tail end of 2020. Time really does fly. Doug, can you believe that we're at the tail end of 2020 now? No, this year has been a bit of a blur trying to manage our way through a pandemic and keep everyone, all of our employees safe. Uh, Feel good about how we've done that, but it has been a really difficult year. Well, and I know a lot of people are probably tired of hearing about 2020, so I think this is a good segue. We'll talk about some brighter days. Right. Uh, no pun intended. We'll talk about a brighter future. So for folks who you might not have heard or you have heard, Brighter Futures initiative that we're a part of, along with our sister cooperatives here in North Carolina. Doug, do you just want to dive into it, maybe explain it to our members? Sure. Let's just talk about a brighter future and why we're embracing a new vision called a brighter future all across North Carolina. All the electric cooperatives in North Carolina are embracing this vision and it's now the driving force of our own vision and strategic plan. There are three important pillars as a part of this vision, uh, member and community enrichment. And I'll talk about each one a little bit in a few minutes, then low carbon, and then there's uh, reliability, innovation, and cost. So those are the three pillars that we'll do our strategic initiatives under. And if you look at our, we're to look at our plan, and they will you know work together in a way that we believe will create a brighter future for our members and for all cooperative members across North Carolina. So let's start with, I guess, the first one. Uh, I know you talked about community enrichment. Right. So what does that mean for our membership and what does that mean for Northwest North Carolina? Well, you know, as a cooperative, our true bottom line is service to our members, to those members we serve that own this cooperative. And as we think about community enrichment, we think about things like economic development, better jobs, stronger communities, investments in our towns, strong schools, the things that make the fiber and fabric of a community a place where you want to live. And we're very engaged in that and will continue to be engaged in that. We do things like economic development loans and revolving loans for fire departments and making sure that we have you know, good, good equipment in our area to keep people safe and their homes safe. We also believe it's, it's a matter of how we serve our members and measure that service to our members. Uh, we are all about providing top-notch service in everything that we do, every touch point we have with a member or a customer of the cooperative for our propane and fuels business. Uh, we, want to, we want it to be the best experience of any business you come into contact with. So that drives us. We think that's an enrichment for our members and just helping our members to uh, be more efficient in how they use electricity or heating fuel products, uh, having you know good tools for them to use, ways to track their usage, and then strong, talented team of energy specialists to advise our members, we believe enriches the members, the membership and it enriches our communities as a place to live. 
And that's huge. I mean, when we talk about enriching the lives, that's something that's been in the framework of the cooperative world for quite some time. And do you think it's just particularly important for cooperatives to really focus on those communities, continue to be that partner for everybody uh, they serve? I think it's really important. And we also have some significant youth programs. We're, we're developing youth leadership because we believe the future can be brighter if we're developing the next generation of leaders. So we do have very active engagement with youth in our schools and our high schools and help them with the career thinking and planning, college planning, or, you know, if they're going to go into something like a community college and, and do, uh, you know, other types of work rather than a four-year degree type work, then we have lots of different programs where we coach and consult and work with and develop through our leadership track program. And I'm very proud of that. So it's really a broad-based effort to be involved and engaged in the communities that we serve in many different ways. And I guess the biggest thing our community, too, that everybody loves and everybody comes up here for is really the scenery, our beautiful environment, and the things that we have going on. And that's something we're looking out for, too, keeping these places beautiful, making Northwest North Carolina continue to be one of the prettiest spots in really the country. And I think number two really kind of hits that on the head as well, right? It does. And that's you know our new low carbon initiative. I think uh, most people will agree that we are going through global warming, that the climate is warming up. There is some disagreement uh, of, of whether man is causing that or not, and I'm not going to pretend to be a scientist, but I do believe that there are things that we can do by reducing our carbon footprint that could have an impact and be beneficial to our environment. Uh, most everyone in the utility business now is, is agreeing that we need to do things to reduce the carbon footprint. So you're going to see a pretty significant reduction in the years ahead in the use of coal and in carbon offsets. We've set a goal for our carbon footprint to be 50% lower than it was in 2005 by 2030. We've also set a goal to be carbon net neutral, zero net neutral, uh, by 2050. So that means that you won't be having no fossil fuels or no carbon, but if you do have some carbon, you've done something else to offset that for the environment. So we believe these will be very effective ways for us to reduce our impact on the environment and we can work together. And an important thing that I should mention here, Jacob, is these three pillars, in order for us to have an initiative under low carbon, it can't raise cost or not be enriching to our communities. So we can't choose a carbon goal or a carbon initiative that's hurtful to the other pillars. You must meet one but not hurt any of the others initiatives in order for it to be viable in our vision of a brighter future. And let's introduce them to that third and final pillar, and then we'll take a deep dive after that if you want to. Well, certainly innovation and reliability and cost. And I know members are all about uh, what are you doing to keep our costs down? What are you doing to help us with our rates? And we're excited about that because we think there are some things we can do that will help us, uh, you know, reduce our carbon footprint and reduce members' costs. A great example is something we're just announcing this month that we're going to uh, enter into a contract to build a utility-scale solar in Caldwell County that will uh, produce over 19 million kilowatt hours a year. It's a very large solar 
facility called the Brighter Future Solar Facility. So we're excited about that. It reduces our cost. It reduces our carbon footprint. And we think it's good for our community. It's a tax-paying business, if you would, that'll be investing in Caldwell County. So lots of good results come from that that meet all three of our goals. Also in that area, I mentioned innovation and reliability, and I think we all are amazed sometimes with the exponential change in technology, what that means to us, and just keeping up with what's going on in technology and how's this going to affect the electric business model as we see more distributed energy resources, more things like solar and wind and uh, possibly even battery storage in the not-too-distant future, uh, different technologies that we'll need to be coordinating as they come onto our grid and making sure they operate efficiently. And that takes a lot of technical expertise and technology to make that work well. So we're working on those things. And at the same time, making sure that the electric system is more reliable than ever. People do not want to have outages. And so we are working tirelessly to have a very resilient and reliable electric system. So that is the third pillar. So we have all three of those things and a pretty significant number of initiatives under each pillar that we'll be working on that make up our strategic plan. And we'll be sharing more about those with our members on telephone town halls and different ways through our newsletter and communicating with members what our major initiatives are and uh, when they'll be happening. We had a member recently reach out on social media, and they were really interested in our community solar gardens, which we have several of those now, and they've been a huge success. And I know we've been really excited about those, and the members have as well. But they're asking, well, what's the difference between utility-scale solar and the community solar garden? So how do we sum that up to members that maybe want to know what the difference is and the difference in the impacts, maybe? Sure. Well, the biggest difference is size. Uh, the community solar uh, gardens have, you know, they're smaller. They cover about an acre of land or a little more, uh, over 400 panels on one site. So we're at about 1,904 panels in all five of our community gardens, solar gardens. And then members can subscribe to those. But that's enough power to power about 75 homes. So if we build a utility-scale solar, which we're planning to do, then it's about 20 times bigger. So it's going wow. to be 11 megawatts versus a half a megawatt, and that's a little bit of a technical term, but it's about enough power to power 1,600 homes. Wow. So, you know, a 20 times bigger system, and it's going to cover 50 to 55 acres. So it's a large utility scale versus a, you know, community solar garden. Uh, and, of course, the garden allows us to do panel subscriptions to members. We have over 900 members that subscribe to the power output from a panel or two and uh, or even more. And uh, so that's been something that's really been engaging for our members. Members have really enjoyed being able to say, I'm getting all of this power out of this panel for my, you know, to offset in my home, my carbon footprint. And so a lot of people, over 900, have enjoyed that benefit. And I know we've built community solar gardens throughout our service area, but what really makes Caldwell County uh, unique to have uh, something like a utility-scale solar site? It has a lot to do with the weather and, and the environment, really, doesn't it? It has to do with the weather. Uh, there's more cloud cover in the mountains, uh, so we do have a higher solar factor in Caldwell County, especially in southern Caldwell County. Uh, a couple of other things is the uh, flat land to find 50 or 55 acres that doesn't require a significant amount of grading uh, is much easier to find in Caldwell County, particularly southern Caldwell County. 
and uh, the overall cost of land is not as high as it would be the, the development cost and the purchase price cost, particularly if you think about you know Watauga, Asher, Allegheny counties, because they're destinations, they're retirement communities, you know they're along the Blue Ridge Parkway, so property values are much higher there. And a big part of our brighter future is electric vehicles and the innovation that's coming out with those. We're seeing so many cool vehicles coming out. Um, if you're listening to this and you missed the last podcast, go back and listen to it. Plug it in, plug it in. We had two of our EV experts on. We talked about all the stuff that's coming out. And Doug, how does that fit into the fold as well? Because I know electric vehicles also are a part of the future, especially for electric co-ops. Well, electric vehicles is a big part of the uh uh, vision of the uh, pillar that I've talked about in terms of innovation and and our overall uh, uh, reliability and cost. And here's why: we believe that it could be an, an enriching to members too. So it's really going and helps with carbon. So it really EVs hit all three. We would be reducing carbon footprint by use of gas and diesel in trucks and cars. Uh, we believe that we're getting to the place where members would save money. It would be cheaper to operate your car, as you heard on the last podcast, no maintenance. And, you know, there's just a lot of really good factors. But we believe if we can get the kind of saturation of people using electric vehicles, driving electric vehicles that we think is possible, we think we could increase our kilowatt hour growth rate by, you know, maybe one or two percent a year by uh, having people charge at home at night off peak and that benefits every member, whether you drive an EV or not, because we have more kilowatt hours to spread cost over, and that help keeps our rates down. So you'll hear soon an initiative coming out. We're looking at and developing uh, special electric vehicle nighttime charging rates, which would be lower than our regular kilowatt hour charge, uh, so that you would be able to have an even better value to charge at night and incent people to not charge during our peak hours which tend to be the peak that's most expensive for us tends to be in the in the summertime and it occurs in the afternoons uh, in the summer months of May, June, July, August, September. So and then we also have some fairly expensive peaks in the winter, like in the extreme cold times that's expensive based on our distribution system, our transmission and distribution lines if we don't control the usage at certain times, it would cause us to have to do upgrades that otherwise might not be necessary. So there's a lot of good things that will come out of electric vehicles. And I really believe that, you know, and I've had an opportunity to drive an EV and they're really responsive. They're really they're, fun. They're, they're <laughs> impressive and extremely, uh, you know, strong takeoff. I mean, it's just like, and it's, and it's quiet. You know, so you also have a reduction in noise. And I know some of our cities in the mountains have noise, uh, you know, ordinances. You know, they try to restrict noise and things of that nature. Uh, so I think there's a lot of really significant benefits. And I think the future, you're going to see a large number of EVs on the road. And that's what I was going to ask you about, too. As someone who's been in this industry for some time and you've seen the changes that have gone on really at all levels, what would you say to a member that says, you know, Doug, I really want an EV and I'm, I'm thinking about it, but I'm still kind of apprehensive about it. Where do you see the industry as far as um, the infrastructure and things like that going in the next 5, 10, 15 years? How would you reassure someone that says, I'm thinking about an EV, but I haven't quite pulled the trigger on it yet. But what should I, you know, what should I think about? Yeah, I think you're going to see a significant investment in uh, infrastructure for charging stations, for the quick charge stations that you can basically completely 
recharge your battery in 30 to 45 minutes, or you can get an 80% in under 30 minutes. Uh, you know, so we're, we're installing and have received grant monies to install a new fast charger in Watauga County. We have one in Caldwell County. We have level two chargers deployed in all of our counties. Uh, we'll be doing more of these type chargers and all of rural North Carolina has an initiative at every electric cooperative to have a network so that if we feel like that the investor owns are going to put these in the cities, we want to make sure that if you're traveling to rural areas in the mountains or on the coast or different parts of North Carolina or even the country, that we're putting in enough charging stations uh, that it's not a, you're not going to have the range anxiety that people fear. And I think that's being deployed now, even as we speak, people are putting in more and more and more chargers and charging stations. And then if people largely drive to and from work and can charge at home, uh, you know, you have plenty of range to cover that by charging your vehicle at night. If you want to go off on vacation, you could be assured with an app on your phone that will tell you exactly where the next charging station is. And it could even be linked to the mileage in your car, the distance to recharge. And you know, it all could just say you need to pull off here and charge your battery. So just like your gas gauge now tells you, you know, it's time to go get gasoline. It'll be very convenient and uh, can be a similar experience to filling up with gas. It's just plugging up your car. Well, Doug, I think we've uh, we've covered a lot in this uh, 15 minutes, 16 minutes podcast. And I guess at the end of the day, even though 2020 has not been the best year for everybody, I know it's been a hard time for everyone involved. But there are brighter days ahead and there's a brighter future ahead for everybody, right? There is definitely a brighter future ahead. There are brighter days. I think there, there a day is coming when we'll see vaccines for this virus. We'll see us be able to have some level of normalcy. We're probably going to have to be more careful in the future. But uh, as humans, we need to be able to enjoy our lives. We need to be able to fellowship. We need to be able to see each other. And it's my hope and prayer that that day is soon, sooner rather than later. And I'm, I'm a believer that we will have a brighter future. Thank you again for listening to another episode of Unplugged. Thank you for tuning in to not only this episode, but maybe you've been tuning in to the past episodes. Or if this is your first episode, be sure to hit the subscribe button. I want to bring you these episodes every single month. And if you hit subscribe, you won't have to look for the episodes anymore. They'll just pop up on whatever device you're listening to. So whether you're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or really any kind of listening app, hit the subscribe button. It'll make your life way easier. Until next time.